On today's episode of Real Talk Rentals, it's a mailbag episode. We're going through the questions you sent in. Welcome back to Real Talk Rentals, a podcast brought to you by OnQ Property Management. We're here to give you all the tips and tricks that go into owning a rental property. I'm Ben, with me as always, Mr. Eric Dixon, the go-to expert on all things property management and real estate. And today we're gonna test that knowledge yet again because we did a mailbag episode. We uh, put out a call to listeners, customers, clients, everybody, and said, send us your questions. So we've got a collection here that we kind of went through. I pulled out the super inappropriate ones and left those aside. And uh, we'll have our lawyer look at those maybe. And then these ones we're going to dig into today. Are you ready? I'm ready. Yeah. This reminds me of my favorite podcast, uh, the Bill Simmons podcast. Yeah. He does a mailbag like every year. Yeah. It feels so It's cool. always fun. Yeah. <laughs> so what we're saying is we're on that level of Bill Simmons. Oh, yeah. <laughs> All right. I like that. Okay. First question we got. My resident just sent me a 30-day notice to vacate, but it's in the middle of the month. Do I have to prorate the rent for them since it's still 30 days, or should they still be responsible for the full month? All right. So tradition, or actually I should say in every scenario, it'll depend on the lease. And that's kind of the overarching, you know, answer. But in practice and how most leases are written, at least here in Arizona, is if you gave a notice any day, let's say any day in February, then the last day of your lease would be the last day of March. So you could give your notice February 2nd and it'd be March 31st. You give the notice February 28th, the end is March 31st. Right. And so it's it's the end of the month, it's the last day of the month following the, the month following the month you gave the notice. Sure. That's like the most confusing. So you way probably to say want to do like <laughs> if you're hoping to move out in February, you want to do like January 30th. Yeah. Let them know, hey, next month is going to be now, our Now, January gets, cr- gets tricky because if you wait till January 30th, technically 30 days later is March. Oh, yeah. Freaking February. So usually, you know, we'll work with people. Yeah. Like, oh, you gave your notice by the end of January, but it's like, hey, technically yeah. 30 days from now is March and then it'd be the last day of March. But yeah. you'd have to really, uh, your landlord would really not like you if that was the case. And I would say the you just want to make sure your lease, whatever lease you're using, whatever lease your property management company is using, is clear about it. Because the last right. thing you want is the tenant gives the notice on the 14th, thinking they can move out on the 14th of the next month. And then you're like, no, man, you're stuck till the end of the month. Yeah. And they're like, no, I was planning on it. I can't pay double rent. I need my deposit back. And then it you know creates issues. So just yeah. make it clear. All right. Next question. How does a 10-day non-compliance work when residents are in violation of the lease? All right. Timing is awesome with this one. We had our uh, our attorney actually do kind of a lunch and learn type thing yesterday. Yeah. So this, is, this was one of the, the questions brought up in that even. So worded a little bit differently, but let's just say for an example, um, we there's a resident with an unauthorized pet and we give a 10-day notice. So uh, and maybe we should real quick clarify a 10 day notice is like, yeah, a non-compliance notice. saying you're not following the lease. Yep. You got 10 days. Yep. You got 10 days. Okay. To, now, most people think that, Hey, I gave you the notice, Ben, you had a pet. You weren't supposed to have a pet and you got to get rid of that pet today. But really what it means is like, no, you have nine more days where you can break this rule and I can do nothing about it. Right. You know, but, but you have 10 days, right? You got to rehome the dog or you've got to get permission through, through your manager or through the owner. Sure. Maybe then 10 days to figure this issue out, 10 days to figure it out. And then on day 11, then if the dog is gone, 
and we do a re we reinspect and the dog's gone it's like it never happened so it's not okay. even, i can't even ding it against you really it's like it never happened but if you do it again then i can give you a 10-day notice to move out okay so it's like uh it's like hey it's like it never happened but hey dude if you do it again like now, now yeah. you're really in trouble and so you know you want to make sure that uh that you're issuing them correctly it's not a 10-day notice and then hey if you don't fix it i'm kicking you out yeah it's like no i'm giving you the chance to correct it you can cure the the breach and then day 11 you do have to re-inspect you can't just say hey i'm calling you hey did you get rid of the dog right you know you got to you got to do that so it's kind of assuming the best in people right like absolutely. hey you didn't realize i'm sure that it said in the lease even though you signed it you yeah. can't have pets and i would say the i'll give you is, 10 days to fix this and, and then it'll, it's it's gone pets are tricky right because they're like yeah. a member of your family and yeah, it's like, absolutely. Well, yeah i got my dog i didn't want to tell you because i didn't want to get get denied on the application <laughs> yeah or or like, i got a dog at this time dog. my kids love it and absolutely. i didn't it wasn't even on my radar for so, pets so those and then uh, the other one is occupants that let's say you you started dating somebody or you wanted a roommate or you got married yeah that person needs to be on the lease if they're moving in but oftentimes you don't even think about it you know you're just like oh don't even think about it we do an inspection we notice hey there's multiple people here there's only one person on the lease yeah and then those non-compliance ones are tricky because it's like well i'm not just gonna kick them out yeah you know? so anyway it is much better if you're a resident just make sure that you let your property manager or your landlord know and you can avoid yeah so it's not taking non-compliance and they should be available for you to ask a question if you don't know yeah you know exactly. it could just be like hey I'm, I'm getting a pet i don't remember if it said i'm allowed to have one or not yeah. you know don't assume yep all right i just received a written notice from my resident that i have to fix the water heater in five days or they can legally vacate or they can pay for the repair and take it off the rent however i have a home warranty <laughs> Da, da, da. And I'm working on it, but delays uh, are happening when it comes to ordering the parts. What should I do? All right. So number one, just cancel your home warranty. Yeah, just get rid of that thing. Now, so um, no home warranties. I was tell telling Ben yesterday. I mean the uh, the premise is there. Like it's a good product, but it really only works the best if you're the homeowner and you live there because you're willing to deal with the crap to save the money sure it's it's horrible for tenants it's horrible for property management companies i'll just put that out there but really um health and safety issues you got to get completed and done within those five days there's rare instances where you could say hey we did order the part and it's only it's going to be a week or two that's fine but in the meantime you got to put them up in a hotel or give them a rent credit that's agreeable or, or whatever yeah so we do deal with this with home warranties. Unfortunately, sometimes it's like, yeah, you could order the part and save the few hundred bucks, but it would actually cost you less if you just pay a plumber to fix it or replace it. Right. Because then you don't have to do a rent credit. You don't got to put them up in a hotel and they end up more often than not. It's more, it's less cost to the landlord Yeah. just to hire the licensed contractor to fix it than it is to save money in quotes you know, yeah. to, uh, to go through the home warranty. Yeah, I, re I remember talking to one of our maintenance coordinators one time and an owner was waiting for something. I think it was for like a toilet or something. And it was like, we're waiting for this part to arrive. I was like, well, how much is the part? And they're like, it's a hundred bucks. I'm like, so we're, we're making this person go without a toilet because this guy wants to save a hundred bucks. Yeah. Like, yeah, and no, it's a bad call. And, <laughs> and I don't even think the owner was thinking of it like that. Cause like you said, oh, yeah. it's one thing if that warranty's on you and you're like, I'm willing to pee in the backyard yep. for a week, you know, cause I know it's coming, <laughs> but 
when it's out of sight, out of mind, and you're putting that on somebody else, you yeah. know. And and I say that, and I would never even do it. I had a home warranty on one house, and it was just like it was such a bad experience with the vendor. They, I mean, for the most part, the vendors are so busy. They have so many work orders for these sure. warranties that they don't really care, man. I mean, they're just pushing pushing work through, and it's not their fault. It's the home warranty overloads them. They don't pay them enough per. Right. It's it's a volume game. It's just really hard to do as a landlord. Yeah. You really rarely save money too. Yeah. All right. Next question. Can I legally evict the resident over an HOA notice fine slash fine they refuse to pay or comply with? So I would say technically, yes. HOAs, uh, they, they have a lot of, uh, a lot of rights themselves. I mean, I've, I've lived in a community where the HOA actually foreclosed on them. We're not talking about a rent, but they foreclosed on the property because they weren't complying, right? So yeah. they can go that route typically. So I say technically, yes, you could do that. Now, there's typically an easier solution though, is you just work with the tenant to say, hey, if you keep getting landscape fines, we're going to, and it's in our lease, we're going to just add landscaping as a charge on your rent and you have to pay with your rent every month and we'll just take care of the landscaping. Yeah. So if it's something like landscaping or, um, you know, something I'm trying to think of something else like, uh, the, the tenant would be responsible for, but, or even like the, the front of the house, oh, they yeah. got a fly. I, I got a notice from my Ochoa because I had a unapproved flag. Yeah. Unapproved flag or holiday lights is one. My, yeah. my, my tenant, I just got one in the mail and it said holiday lights are still up in March or April or May or whatever in yeah. the spring. And, and, uh, I, I sent it to my property managers. They sent it to the tenant. They're like, Oh my gosh, yeah, I'll get it right down. But if yeah. they just didn't comply, it'd be easier for me to say, I'm just going to pay a handyman to go take them down for you yeah. and charge you rather yeah. than evict the tenant for not complying. It So, yeah, it, it, it's ultimately avoid the eviction at yeah. all costs, right? There's a, there's usually a there solution. There are some landlords around. that are like, how can I evict them? That just sounds fun. Yeah. yeah. And it's like, it's, <laughs> trust me, it's not. Yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> it's not fun for anybody, you know, like the tenants don't want to be evicted. You don't want to go through all that court work yeah. stuff. All right. Uh, on that note, unfortunately, I had to evict my tenant. Okay. But they left all their belongings in the property. Legally, what are the next steps in removing the items? Yeah, good, good question. So, um, there's three ways that you can give back a property. One is the tenants give back keys. So it's either the end of the lease or whatever. They just walk into the office or walk to the landlord and say, "Boom, here's possession." In that case, they're giving up possession willingly. They, uh, you don't have to store their items. So if they left something in the house yeah. and they surrendered keys you don't have to keep anything. In the other two scenarios, an abandonment or an eviction, you have to store them for 14 days. And I should say this is in Arizona. So Yeah, it could be different elsewhere. Could be, it could be different. And, and even in Arizona, that time frame used to be longer and it's down to 14 days. So if there's an abandonment and you go through the proper channels to do an abandonment and you get possession back, if there are items, you do have to store them either at the property or at storage for 14 days. And then an eviction, same thing. Once the writ is executed, you take over possession. You got 14 days. 14 days. Yep. Um, I'm always surprised when we get like a move out inspection and, uh, you know, we have to charge the tenants to haul off a bunch of stuff they left there. And they're like, but I don't want that stuff. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, we don't, we don't want it either. Yeah, no one <laughs> like, wants that stuff. Yeah. You should have taken it with you and thrown it away. You know, yeah. like can't just leave it in the house. All right. 
are there repairs that I am not required by law to do? That's a rough one. <laughs> What's funny is you know exactly the type of owner that is. Right? Yeah. Or landlord, yeah. You know, so it's the classic, like Ben, you always say it, but don't be that guy. Don't like, be that guy. Don't Come be on. That guy. So it's, um, if you're asking that question, you probably do need to do the repair. That's yeah. probably the, the simple answer. But, um, but there are extreme cases. Like I, I have personally had tenants, uh, and, and we, well, obviously we manage for properties that have some that they call and say, Hey, my fan is wobbling. And it's like, well, if it's like wobbling off the ceiling, boom, that's a work order for sure. Yeah. Safety. If it's just, you know, I don't know. They're like, I'm not sure, but I think it's sure. got oh, an and, angle and to I, it. As I'm saying that to you too, I'm like, if there's a safety issue, you think it's going to fall off the ceiling or the blades coming off and you can't fix it real quick yourself. Yeah. Do you know what? Submit it. But there are some, it's like, Hey, the face plate is, uh, got painted while while they painted the walls it's like hey we're not going to come and do that repair yeah but we will notate it to make sure we don't charge you on the way out you know yeah um but obviously health and safety and different things we we don't want to get out of you need to do those things i think you had you said yesterday oh yeah my microwave has a pixel out on it you know it's a little digital you can't, tell, the, you can't tell if the eight is a zero or a yeah <laughs> i mean if i'm cooking something for eight minutes in the microwave it might yeah. be a bigger problem but yep. uh, yeah it's it's not a big deal. It's a little corner, you know, and it's like, I'll let the landlord know so she can handle it. But it's not something that I'm like submitting a maintenance yeah. request. That, like, that's actually, you got to fix this. And that's a great thing. It still cooks your food. It still works. You can still, it's, it's still functional. Yeah. It's and fine. honestly, I would never care if they fix it ever. I just don't want her to think I broke it. Yep. You know, because <laughs> exactly. I don't want to get charged for it, but it's fine. It works great. Does what it's supposed to do. It's just like, hey, just so you know. Yeah, that's a that's a perfect example though. The landlord's not required by law. You know, going back to the question. Yeah. Required to do that. Yeah, if they want to, sweet. You gotta get a new microwave. But sure. Yeah, no, that's that's a great example. Yeah. All right. This is a very specific question. Why doesn't pre-leasing work anymore? This must come from a client that we, we pre-leased and it didn't rent, you know, yeah. didn't lease in time. So for those that are, are listening, so pre-leasing is kind of what we we coin as bef- you're marketing a property and the current tenant hasn't quite moved out yet. So maybe sure. we market it two, three weeks in advance. Then we put a move in date for, you know, a week or two after the tenant moves out, you know, so you can get it cleaned up and ready. Traditionally, I'd say when we started, you know, a decade ago, it was bread and butter. It's like, heck yeah, man, you pre-lease it. And then, um, then you have applications and it's usually rented by the time the tenant even moves out. Sure. Um, that still happens sometimes. So when they say it doesn't work anymore, I would say it doesn't work as often as it used to. And I think it's because people want more than ever to actually walk through the house sure. and say, Hey, how clean is it going to be? I want to feel the floor plan. Um, there's enough inventory out here where I don't need to, you know, put an application on a house and get approved without seeing it first. So we are actually shifting our way of doing things too, is we'll still list it a week before or like a little bit before the tenant moves out. But the biggest reason is because of this day and age now where you find all your properties on the internet. Yeah. There's a timer the DOM is what we call it. It's the days on market. Right. And if that DOM is high, what do you think as a renter? You're like, what's wrong with this place? Yeah. If so the price it, is right, but it's been on the market for 45 days. Yeah. So there's something wrong with it. Yeah, and let's say you marketed it 45 days before the tenant moves out and you've got all these people that would love to see it. The tenant moves out, they all see it and they're kind of like, meh, whatever. It's not that great. On Zillow or Trulia or these third-party websites, you're 45 days on the market and the tenant just moved out. And so you've got this stale, crappy listing 
that's not moving and you would have been better off to not list it out at all let the tenant move out get yeah. it ready and then day one you have that flood of people come see it yeah well and plus two um we were talking about this yesterday but there there may be things that you're gonna do once that tenant moves out oh yeah totally. you know like yep. oh you know what we're gonna take that tree out in the backyard yep. that's we leaning all wonky well Prospective tenants don't know that. So they're yeah. looking at like, I don't want to live old in a pictures too. Yeah. Like, I don't want to live in a house where a tree's going to fall on yep. there. You know, forget that. And yeah, it doesn't show its best because it hasn't been through that rent ready, yeah. it hasn't been brushed up and ready. No, I just had one myself that we replaced carpet and paint. So if they would have yeah. looked at previous photos that we, you have to use previous photos. Yeah. They would have been like, oh man, even a year ago, those or two years ago, that, that carpet was kind of mad. It's really brown. Well, we went in there after, painted everything kind of newer, white and gray and yeah. white, replaced some fixtures, did new countertops. And it's like, if we would have pre-leased it, it would have been- You never would have known. It, we would have never known and it would not have been a, uh, as big of a success in renting it for, for more money. So Okay. I want to sell my house, but I'm in the middle of a lease with the resident. Is there anything I can do? Yes. So uh, I, I love this uh, because I, I love the buying and selling of real estate. It's a lot of what I do, what I've been been doing even before I got in property management. Um, it is tricky though, because technically you can sell a house anytime, but the lease stays with the house. So if you're, right. say you're six months in, you're in the middle of the lease, you have six months left, listing it, throwing it up on the MLS can be tricky. It's been done before, Yeah. but the tenant has to be on board. You've got to work with them and say, hey, when are we going to do showings? When are you available? They usually have no incentive to make sure it looks good, smells good, shows good, yeah. aged. You know, they're like, dude, you're, Kick you're basically me out. telling me I can't renew my lease. Yeah. Um, unless an investor buys it. And that's the other thing is if you've got six months left, the buyer pool is just investors. So right. you, a family or a person that wants to buy it and move in is their occupied, you know, their primary residence, an owner-occupied home. They're not even interested because they're like, no, dude, I want to move in. I don't want. Yeah. I don't want to have a six month lease after I buy, and so it does get tricky. Where we find a ton of success, this is kind of a shameless plug, but it's where we have success. Other companies have success doing it. Is when our landlords raise their hand and say, "I want to sell," and I'm in the middle of a lease. We talk to them about kind of a price range. We're not signing an exclusive listing agreement, but we're trying to get this range. And we say, "Hey, if I can get an investor to give you that price." Would you be interested in just selling it mid-lease to another investor? They're like, heck yeah. And so yeah. It's a win-win. Built-in tenant. It's a built-in tenant. We retain the management. The seller gets what they want. The buyer gets an off-market deal. We call them pocket listings, which some people are familiar with, but they're kind of that listing in your back pocket that you're like, hey, if I have a buyer for 500000 in Gilbert, yeah. hey, that's weird. I have this other, I have this listing that kind of a listing. It's not really a signed listing with a sign in the yard on the MLS, but it's a- But I know this guy will sell it. I know it'll sell. Yeah. So, so anyway, we we pair those up all the time and it saves the buyer, saves the the seller, saves the tenant, and the tenants are usually stoked. They're like, Are you kidding me? You sold it and I didn't have to show it. Yeah. Except to an inspector and an appraiser, and maybe we had to show it one time. You know, so it, it can be a win win win. That's more often than not the best way to sell right. in the middle of a lease. Okay. Um, this one we just kind of did a podcast on, but I have not researched Section 8 housing very much, but what are the pros and cons for this program? I understand that some laws have recently changed regarding residents on the program. Oh, uh, yeah. It, it came up because, yeah, the new law is coming out. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, <laughs> Top dude, of mind. So we get, a, we get a new governor in Arizona, and suddenly they want to pass a source of income as a protected class sure. as far as you know fair housing. 
which it's not a huge deal on the surface, right? It's like, do you know what? I get it. There's voucher programs, people that need rental assistance. They need the government program to help them. Everyone's okay with that. It's the, so I'd say the pros are, you know, your buyer, your tenant pool, you're kind of being forced to accept, you know, some of these programs, which it's not a negative. The negative becomes when you're dealing with the government and there's just a lot of right. paperwork, a lot of red tape. Um, and we're hopeful because they've committed to hiring more and making the processes more efficient. We're hopeful that they can bring stuff more online. Their turnaround times for inspections and approvals can be faster. Right. There's more case workers with you know bandwidth to take on caseload and stuff like that. So I'd say the pros are things like the guaranteed rent or the Section 8 does um, annual inspections. And right. they do, they're very good about rental increases even. Yeah. You know, and, and we see it more often than not that they're willing to increase to market rent and, and different things. They've even made exceptions that are higher than their allotted amount, you know, in, in certain cases. So there are a lot of pros. I'd say that, again, the only con is, is just the paperwork. And it's, yeah, the, if you've ever dealt with getting something from just the government. Just think in your head, like DMV, yeah. <laughs> um, birth certificate, like social security card. Yeah, there's just a lot of hoops. Like passport. Yeah. <laughs> it just sounds horrible. I think too, um, we were uh, discussing this when our lawyer came in, was going over the stuff with us, but it, um, all your, a lot of people are afraid like, oh, I have to take section eight no matter what. And it's like, yeah. you do, but all your other rental qualifications still stand. Oh, oh they still apply. Absolutely. You, you can't, you don't have to take them if their credit scores a hundred, yeah. you know, you could say, no, this is still my minimum. Oh, yeah, you know, yeah. it's just the income no, that, that that's you a, can't. And that's a great point. So they still have to qualify in all the other factors, right? right. So it's criminal, uh, sex offender, um, credit score, uh, their debt to income now is just based off or their their income qualification is just based off their voucher and then their percentage that they're paying. So right. It's just a different calculation, but they do. You're right. They have to qualify their uh, landlord history. It has yeah. to, you know, all that stuff still has to check. So yeah, it's, it's just not, literally the income. You can't look at it and say you check all the boxes, but I don't like that voucher. So and, I can't and, take and for it. those that need the program or on different assistance programs, it's a great program. Like it's great. Yeah. It needs to exist. There's different things. There's always going to be people that take advantage of it yeah. that are on section eight, but they drive a hundred thousand dollar car. Yeah. And there's always going to be bureaucracy involved where there's a lot of yeah. hoops so, to jump through. Like, so I get it. We're just hopeful that it will become more streamlined because it is, it is tricky right now. For okay. Sure. All right. Last two. Um, how much does it cost to break up with a property management company? I believe they may cancel. <laughs> and when is it time to make that call? Dude, I've, I've never heard of that breakup. Break up. Uh, We're breaking up. Yep. So again, it kind of depends, kind of like that lease question. It depends on the owner's agreement or the management agreement, I should call it. <clears throat> Ours is, you know, there's a 30-day cancellation policy. No fees, cancel at any time. And we do that because we feel like we have to earn your business every month. Yeah. A lot of companies are like that, but then there's the far extreme. On the other side, there's companies that have heavy cancellation fees. And we're dealing with one right now that would love to come over. They've got 10 or 11 properties. It's going to cost them almost $10,000 to cancel. And they're sitting there going like, man, this company has me by the throat here and I can't come over because I don't have the nine, ten, eleven thousand dollars to cancel. Yeah. But you guys are, you know, this is just an anecdotal, you know, scenario, sure. right? But but they want to come over. Our fee structure is great for them. We feel like our service is a better fit. But they're like, dude, I can't, I can't pay 10 grand. And so yeah. what they're gonna do is they're gonna wait, you know, eight or nine months or whatever it is. 
and they're just going to begrudgingly stay where they're at until their cancellation fees are hundreds of dollars. Yeah. Come over, you know? So it, there's a huge, um, huge array of, uh, it could be zero. It could be a lot. Yeah. <laughs> so just read your contract, read your contract as well. It's like when, uh, you're, you see these cell phone company ads and it'll be like, you get a free iPhone. And then it's like in the fine print with two year contract commitment. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, but if you cancel that phone is not free anymore, like suddenly you're paying for it. So read the fine print. Exactly. Great, great analogy. All right. Last question. Can I leave items in the rental for tenants to use? And this is exact wording that came in in the question. It's really awesome stuff and they will like it. I want to know who it is and what they're leaving. Yeah. Um, I, you know, technically yes, but don't, please don't. don't. Bad idea. Again, don't be that guy. Yeah. That's don't. like, Hey, um, I'm leaving the pool table in the dining room. Yeah. And they're like, I don't want your pool table, bro. I'm like I'm like, a family of five. I want a dining room table. <laughs> like, yeah. But, but things like, uh, it, it is funny. Some stuff is just hard to move. And I say pool table cause they're just hard to move. Yeah. Like exercise equipment or, you know, uh, TVs that are on the wall and they're like, they're 10 years old. So they're not these light flat screens. They're like, yeah. Oh, that thing's like a fixture on the wall. It's staying like number one, tenants don't want your stuff. No, your crap real realistically. But number two is, um, if you leave it and they break it, then you seem to think you can charge them for fixing it too. Yeah. So it's something like, they didn't want in the first they place. They didn't even want it, dude. Yeah. Like if your pool table wasn't here, they wouldn't have broke it. So yeah. just get rid of it. it. It all comes back to what we said of like, treat it like an investment. Don't treat it. This isn't a storage place anymore. Don't leave stuff that's yours. Like yeah. this is an investment property. And, and this, this is the great point. This is, this happens the most in that transition from it's my primary residence yes. to it's becoming a rental. And it, you do have to just, you got to turn it off. It's not my primary residence. I'm not emotionally attached. Nothing in there is mine in anymore. There is mine. Yeah. Get rid of it, you know, yeah. and just clean slate it. Get rid of the pool table now. And then tenant one, two, three, four, ten 10 years from now, no one has to deal with it. Yeah. It's not like what happens is if we get one tenant, that's like, fine, I'll keep the pool table. This landlord fi- suddenly thinks, See, tenants love my pool table. Yeah. And like, gosh dang it. We should have just put our line in the sand and said, take it or we don't want yeah. it. Yeah. You know? All right. That is it. Mailbag, man. Mailbag, man. Fun. Good times. All right. So um be sure to follow the podcast wherever you get your podcast and leave us a five-star review if you can. It really helps out. And we will see you guys next time.